Welcome to Wyndham Tech Talks, a podcast series designed to explain and explore the role and impact of Wyndham Tech School in Wyndham and Hobsons Bay. Before we begin, we would like to acknowledge the traditional custodians of Australia, in particular, the Boon Wurrung, Wada Wurrung and Woi Wurrung peoples of the Kulin, where we work, live and play. We extend our respects to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples and their elders, past, present and emerging. In this episode, Catherine Valicia, Managing Director of Valicia Family Farms, on the history of her family farm and the relationship with the Wyndham Tech School. Catherine, welcome. Thank you. Um, uh, let's let's talk a little about the the family history and the farm history. Yeah, take us through that. Uh, so my family farm history are pretty much linked intertwined. So uh, my grandfather came to Australia in the 1930s with his two brothers from Albania and they came to Werribee South and Werribee South wasn't a horticulture area at that stage. So they did dairy and a bit of like open acreage, which mm. was what everyone did. Um, but then World War II broke out. And the Puckapunyal Army base needed some fresh fruit and vegetable. That became a bit of a priority. So the whole area switched, including our family. And that's kind of why we know Werribee South as what it is today, which is one of the most highly producing areas for Victoria um, with horticulture. And so there was a lot of Italian migrants. We're Albanians, but there was a lot of Italian migrants. <laughs> yeah. And that's kind of why it's broccoli, collies and those kind of lines because that's what they brought from Italy. But, um, yeah, that's really how Werribee South came to be horticulture. And then my grandfather had some kids and one of them was my dad. Um, so the boys as a collective, and it was really the boys then, even though I'm sure many of cousins, sisters and Auntie Sally and everyone else will um, begrudge that I talk about the boys. I'm sure they played a huge <laughs> part in it. But the boys worked on the farm together and Valicia Brothers was the family business as everyone together. But as all the young men, including my dad, grew up, they kind of had different opinions about how things should go and how everything should happen. So... My dad split into a separate business. Um, so did three, his two brothers and the three cousins. So everyone went into different Valicia businesses. So there's still five or six Valicia businesses in horticulture today. Right. Um, but they still played really much a part. So, you know, my dad focused on wholesale. Other people focused on growing lettuces or collies or broccoli. And, you know, so so they all worked together. And, you know, it was a very different time then. Um, the 80s and the 90s for horticulture was a very um, glorious time. Um, there was lots of money to be made and and that, and that had a lot to do with the fact that, you know, they we didn't have the technologies of today. So yep. the technologies of today have really helped bring food prices down, I guess, for people, even though that'll be another conversation because people probably aren't feeling that right now, <laughs> yeah, but, exactly. but touching on that. But, you know, like back in the day, you know, the Valishas were the biggest lettuce growers and, and producers and that was, you know, in the 80s and we'd cut like 10 pallets of lettuce and that was huge. Wow. Now a farm could easily cut 100 pallets of lettuce in a day. So that that's kind of, that you know, the supply and demand. Um 
So yeah, so from there, I went into the business when I was 19 and that was not really through any sort of uh, grand plans. I used to work in the market with dad on school holidays and things like that, but I went to uni and I wasn't really doing much at uni and my dad being a European father said, you know, you either study or you work and you're not really doing either, so you better come and work. (laughs) So I went and worked in his business. Um, He had a business partner, so I worked in his business um, in the packing shed on the farm. I did, you know, multiple different jobs. Aldi co-concurrently came to Australia the year I started with with the business and we secured that kind of contract, which it was nothing like as formal as that sounds. Um, and it was really small. So I would do, you know, the order in one day. So I'd get a box of collies and a box of broccoli and a box of lettuce and I'd drive it down to the LDDC and that would be my day. And then wow. I'd lie about what I did for the rest of the day. So, you know, I wouldn't have to do anything else. Um, and that's now grown into three or four semi-trailers a day. So yeah. they've grown. We grew with them. So we were really lucky to do that. And, yeah, so then I guess that was me. And then I've never really loved horticulture. I never really – I was in this job just because, you know, it was kind of circumstances. My dad split with his business partner when he was 20 uh, – when I was 25. Um, and so I had to go work in the wholesale market in Footscray, which – I'm not sure if anyone knows any context to that, but that it's it's a very different place now in Epping. But back in the, the back in there about 20 years ago, it was pretty much the wild west of yep. of business, and that was really hard. It was hard for lots of reasons. It was hard because it was a hard in, it's a hard industry. You know, yep. it's a daily industry. It's a 24 it was hour. Full of industry. some colourful characters too. Full of colourful characters. Mm. Things like you know. Um, sexual harassment, workplace bullying, all of that kind yeah. of stuff was was not. And, you know, that's – to say it with today's lens, I think it's sometimes unfair to look back on things with a different lens. You yep. know, like no one knew about that. No one knew about anything like that. But it really was – it was hard. And what probably was the hardest for me was the hours. So we'd start at 11 or 12 o'clock at night yep. and then finish at 12 o'clock the next day. And that might sound great that you have the rest of the day, but you don't have the rest of the day because you're working as a zombie. And it really did remove me from life to a certain extent and and it becomes its own little world. So that was quite difficult. And with that, I really didn't like it. I didn't like where I was at. I didn't like the industry. I was like very – I felt very trapped. So I did uni while I was – so this was about 28. I went and did a – a degree at uni, which was a youth work degree. And I only picked that because I wanted a social science degree. I was into that. I wanted to also see what I could do for myself because at this stage, as you can kind of hear, I've just been kind of, I felt, you know, I didn't feel like I was making choices for myself. You weren't driving the bus. Yes, I was just reacting to what was happening. Um, And so I went and did that. And with that knowledge and the education piece of it, I came back into the industry, not that I'd left working, but I came back mentally with a whole different perspective about what this um, horticulture industry offered and the businesses and the mechanisms and the opportunities that did hold. And that was probably because I had now had choice. I didn't feel so trapped mm. that I didn't have another option, probably because of multiple reasons. I saw what it was like to be working in, you know, schools and as a youth worker and that was very different to what I'd experienced so there was lots of reasons but it really did shift my lens and then that has shifted the whole kind of thing and why we're talking here today about what we're doing with Wintech about I actually truly believe in the power of education and not for what you necessarily learn but about what it 
enables you to be able to achieve and teaches you and builds capacity in you and self-actualization. So I really, truly, I know it sounds cliche that education can change your life, but education did change my life. And it's not because of what I learned. It's not because of the essays I learned, but mm. what it did was writing essays and being able to go into the platforms and, you know, being a student and going into the um and this was late in life, 28 years ago. I was going to say, age, that, that's also you know, an advantage probably because you had... Well, it was an advantage but also a disadvantage because I didn't really have peers. I didn't know what to do. So it was very daunting. Oh, okay, yeah. But being able to do, kind of tick all those things off in three years' time, I felt like a far more capable human than I did at 27 because I'd been quite sheltered by a business, by an experience, yeah. by a thing. So... So with that, all of that kind of playing out and dad was starting to get to retirement age and um, so we had a wholesale business. We had the packing facility at Werribee South. We had some farms. Um, I'd went and did done uni while I was still working. I was back down at Werribee South working and dad wanted to retire. So he was going to sell off the market stand and he said that he was going to come to, to Werribee South and work out of there. And being 30 doing all this education, being all these things, I was like, this can't be my next 10 or 20 years, you know, working next to my dad. And that might sound harsh, but it just didn't, it it just, it was, I felt like there was not going to be no growth there, you know. And so I, I really said, I, I gave dad an ultimatum and it wasn't, it was, it was a lovingly ultim, a loving ultimatum that if he wanted to keep working by all means, but I couldn't be there. Yeah. But it, did he really want to keep working? And if he didn't, then I'd buy the business off him and take over. And I didn't realise how quick he'd jump at that. <laughs> <laughs> that should have been the alarm bell then when he, I didn't ever finish the sentence. <laughs> how come he answered so quickly? <laughs> so he was like, no, it can be all yours. So it was really a quick transition then from me having no real aspiration at all to be in this wow. industry or, or thinking about it to then owning a business in it and being probably one of the first, definitely one of the first girls and everything. Absolutely. But even one of the first of my generation to have truly taken the dad out of the business or the mum out of the business and, yep. and to have run it by myself. So that's still probably the case a little bit now. So, so that's... That's something I pride real, myself on. There was a real time at Werribee South where the younger generation were, were leaving the farms, weren't yeah. they? Because they, because they, not because they resented it, because they wanted to see if there was something else out there. Yeah, and look, I still don't think there's been a proper handover stage yet. There's still a yeah. lot of, you know, um, dads running the businesses behind behind the boys, and they mainly are boys. So you know, that's not a that's not a sexist thing. That's a fact, but. I was lucky enough. Dad then moved to Brisbane, you know, um, for, for different reasons and stuff like that. So that really cut a, a very clear line in now it's yours, you do you yeah. do what you have to. And and I did do what I had to. And, like, I didn't take over a great business at that stage. Dad had run a really great business through the 80s and the 90s, um, which there was much more leniency and fat in the model and the focus could be a bit more on sales and and. I guess, service, um, we've become into far more of a commodity marketing thing. So it's all about, you know, units, what's your cost of production, things like that. So I did have to make some real wholesale, wholesale changes. Obviously, with those wholesale, wholesale changes, people left the business and they left the business straight away knowing that they didn't want to work under me and then some stayed and that's fair enough. Mm. And there was people that I didn't want working under me as well. So... All of those things were were very quite were really quite difficult at the time, but in hindsight, um, 
really important too because now we've kind of got our business that is really our my culture and our culture and and what what we are today so yeah the Valicia farm story is is that and then as as you know I did the the Valicia farms the farming business the horticulture business you know we were servicing Aldi we're doing these things it was very much what I've done for a very long time and there was two reasons that we kind of started the education business called Veg Education, which is mm. really how we've evolved our, involved ourselves with Wintech here. Um, it's about so it was a bit of a risk mitigation plan. So I knew that you know we had one big customer, which was Aldi's. We were you know that was quite a bit of a risk. We've still got the market stand, but. Um, the, you know, margins are getting tighter and tighter. The the scale of business is getting bigger and bigger. You know, like it really will be eventually, unfortunately, will be very much like America where there'll be probably 10 big suppliers serving yeah. all our food. Yeah. Um, so I was kind of like, well, you know, where do I go with this and what do I do with this? And what happened, I'm not sure by luck or by, um, it was kind of bad luck at the time, but good luck in the in the background. Um, we had an injury at work. So one of our workers injured his finger at work and I called in an employment um, and safety lawyer, Neil Salvador, and he came in and helped us with some stuff and we really kicked it off and had a really great bond. And he worked a lot with these other horticulture businesses and he was like, there's a gap in the market here, you know, there's not enough accessible training, there's not enough voices that um, people will listen to. And because we really enjoyed each other's company and we had similar similar values, we thought, why don't we just do like, why don't we go do some seminars together? You know, this will be a great way. We get, you know, add some bit of excitement to our life, bit of mental stimulation. We get to hang out and banter off each other and we'll make some money. And then COVID hit. And so because of COVID, it gave us some time to reassess and we thought, oh, you know what we'll do? We'll become an RTO. So we won't, so we'll do this more formally. And we didn't know what an RTO meant. Well, we knew what it meant, (laughs) but we didn't (laughs) know what it meant to become an RTO. (laughs) So because of that blind, stupid ignorance, we actually did it. And it was a very, very tough, hard, um, process but we became an RTO because we kind of gotten too far in then to to not become an RTO and that has really set up a whole niche for us now so veg education is a um, an RTO which does industry training around you know cert twos in agriculture it does it in um uh, management, horticulture management um, diploma. It does it through school programs, which we're really kind of passionate about, yep. both primary and secondary, um, showing people what horticulture is and the opportunities and careers around that. And it's really evolved into something huge. And that's why Wintech and us are now kind of partners in lots of things. Is that because there isn't, uh, because most of the businesses that you talk about in Ruby South and I guess in, in Epping and all those other areas um, have always been family businesses. So the generations have come up through the families. That's now not happening. So you're going outside the families. Is that is that what this does for the industry or is that already was that already happening? No, I think that was already happening. I yeah. think unfortunately what was happening was no one, was, no one sells a... F- it's starting to shift a little bit, but the agriculture story and the horticulture story and what gets sold in the media and through um, all our platforms is a very poor story. It's always, you know, we're in drought, 
farmers are asking for money, um, you know, like there is never any kind of positive stories and people have a perception of what farming is, which is a person on a tractor in a farm. Yep. Now, even where we south, our businesses are nowhere near that there is a person on a tractor in a farm, but then there's a hundred jobs that sit around that. Yep. You know, we are sophisticated food businesses. We aren't growing a a plot of broccoli in the back garden. And it's about trying to showcase that and compete with these other industries who are doing this very well, i.e. mining, um, you know, the financial sector. They're presenting a lifestyle, a a persona to young people to attract them to their industry. And what we kind of say and what I believe is that if, you know, you really want to change the world, the way you change the world is through being part of your food production system. Mm. And the way you be part of your food production system isn't necessarily being the person who plants in the field. And if you want to do that, there's jobs there and they're fantastic. But that could also be you're a finance person in that business. You're a marketing person. You're a sales person. You're doing the transport. You're doing the logistics. You're an agronomist. You're a production manager. And we need these bright, smart minds, not just coming to tech, even though I know I'm at WinTech and that's, you know, <laughs> not making basketball games that are virtually on, you know, that you can play in a handheld device. Like, this is where all the people are going, unfortunately. But if you really want to fix the world, if you think it's broken, change the world or be part of something, be part of how you produce the food because how we produce food really does show who we are as a culture and where we're going. And I think at the moment we're a bit of a broken system and we're a bit of a broken system too because, you know, you've just heard my story. I can only lead and see and be what my experiences and education have brought me to, Mm. yet I'm in charge of quite a powerful business that could do good or bad. I need help to then be able to see that into the future and I can't see that. I need other people to help me see that. I need young people who can see AI, who can who are doing using what's chat GPT all the Mm. time. You know, like they're the people that we need to attract. So we need to sell it in a way that is actually it's it's real. Sell our industry in a real way, and that's really what veg education is about. But you mentioned, uh, you know, basketball games on handheld devices. How do, how do you compete with that in terms of you're not that sexy an industry to look at from the outside, from what people's perception of the industry is? No, and I guess that's what we're trying to change, and we're trying to change that through giving it meaning yep. because people have got such a disconnection between farming and actual food. So because of that huge disconnection, because, you know, a lot of young kids, like, don't know how their strawberries are grown. They just think they arrive in a plastic planet. Um, even adults, you know, they really don't. And, and, and I have learned so much during this, this new kind of project. You know, we go out to farms and we film them and we see what it takes to grow a blueberry, what it does to yeah. grow mangoes. Um, and I guess what we're trying to achieve 
is is multiple things. It's about showing people the careers and the excitement around all of that stuff. And I think young people today really do want to make a difference with their careers. Like we're back in our day and like now I sound, I, I am old. Like I really do feel old now when I talk to young people. I'm like, we were worried about how much we got paid really. That was that was really a big driving factor, what you, what you get paid. I'm not saying that doesn't exist now, but people want meaning to their jobs. Yep. And I don't think we've ever drawn the correlation of meaning to what we do to what it does mean like how we grow our food how we treat our land how we treat our animals how we treat our produce um, the inputs the outputs all of those things have such an impact on so many different areas the climate obviously the planet as a very simple way of how you adversely or improve it through the way we produce our food but even in a more nuanced way food security um social barriers, people's uh, cost of living, um, the, the, the gap between rich and poor, that all, that's very much driven towards food and food production and access towards food production and how we do it, how we, who, how we inter- infiltrate government with that, what kind of systems we work with. So all of that is encompassed in our businesses. So that's how we compete with making a basketball game in a handheld yeah. device. We add the true meaning and we show what your role actually means to today's society but also tomorrow's, which I don't think any of us have ever really articulated properly because I don't think we've ever seen value in ourselves. Unfortunately, being generally probably from a migrant background as as, as farmers, um, being people who are worked with their hands and things like that, we've never really valued ourselves as 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 special people so then how can you sell that story and I guess not that I've been out there growing the but because of all my experiences and like I said that uni kind of experience really shifted my lens about our importance to everything like there's nothing other than air humans need oh, Vegetables, vegetables and fruit to survive. So we are the most important thing in the world, but no one or ourselves even see us like that. So it's about really kind of making the penny drop on that. Well, there's not been any sort of self-promotion, let alone promotion of, of the industry as such. There's never really been any great education and information about the breadth of jobs and opportunities and careers that are available in it too. I mean, some of the conversations I've had in here about what is happening in the farm industry and and who's working in the farm industry, why would a a 20-year-old girl be in the... the, because she's doing the rain chart and then she's over here in this data processing area and you go, data processing in a farm? uh, Where's that come in? Yes. There's there's an enormous there's enormous opportunities. How did how did the actual link between uh, the farm and and here happen? The well, the farm we we built veg education, so yeah. we started looking into this space and things like that. And Gail, um, as we know, she's not here with WinTech anymore, but she's always been a really big champion of um, of women and and of different. Uh, localised opportunities. So she saw what we were doing at Veg Education and she reached out. And then we learned about what WinTech were doing and we're like, this is such a such a perfect relationship. We're both trying to do exactly the same things but in very different ways. And I guess when you go back to that, that notion of what does a 20-year-old girl have to do on a farm, I think what we do also bring to the conversation with Veg Education is I present differently to what people expect probably a farmer to be. We've got a really multicultural workforce that we 
advocate for and present externally a lot, which is what I think a lot of businesses don't do in horticulture, unfortunately. Um, our workforces don't represent our leadership teams. I'm very proud to say Valicia Farms' leadership team represents their workforce. So we try to present that because people can't people won't go to places where they don't see themselves or they can't even visualise how they would fit into that yeah, place. And I think true. that's why it's really important to be um, forward-facing. And as much as, you know, again, it's an Australian thing and it's definitely a farmer thing where it's sometimes seen as uh, a bit like showing off or a bit... Um, arrogant to be forward facing I, I think that if we do want to attract talent and we do want to show uh, horticulture in a very different way, agriculture in a def- very different way, it's really important to be putting different faces different people forward you know and not just the kind of nostalgic and easy to pick picture that you pick when you're talking about farming let's get a bloke in a in a in a nakubra hat and a and a bit of straw in his mouth and yeah. we'll put him and we've got a sunrise behind him and that and that's in my head right now every, yeah, yeah everyone and understands easy. farming easy, like yeah. they know they're talking about farming but if you're a 23 year old malaysian girl who's work who's you know just finishing her master's degree in something you look at that and you're like well a they don't want me, or B, even if I do think I want something in that, do I really want to be, is that, is that how I feel comfortable with my peer force? But unfortunately, that's not a true representation. I think that's what frustrates me, particularly yeah. in horticulture. But that's the photo op that every media outlet uses. Yes. Yeah. And that's why it's very important for us to take back this story. Yeah. And that's why it's very important. And I think that we found a niche in that. And, you know, that Valicia Farms has found a niche in that, the Veg Education has found a niche in that, that we're using our skill sets. And we do have different skill sets. You know, there are some really huge horticulture businesses that are just slaying it, being a horticulture business. Um Valicia Farms isn't a huge horticulture business. This is a slang being a horticulture business. It's obviously a functioning horticulture business. But what I feel like is we're using our other skill sets to really present value to the marketplace, and that is through um, through media, through podcasts, through showing a different space and through the education business, the RTO, really being able to touch students, young people, both in primary and then in secondary. Yep. Um, early because I think too that's the other thing that we've as an industry have done is we try to kind of get graduates in university to then come to horticulture but people have already aligned with an image of who they think they want to be when they're 25 and 30 you know they've already they've already gone oh but I want to tell everyone I'm a lawyer I want to I want to be you know and a lot of it and that's and that's not being you know we all want to sound great and be great and feel proud of ourselves so that's not derogative in any sense, like, you know, but it's too late then to turn someone who's set yeah. on being a lawyer or a finance manager or an accountant to say, oh, have you thought about, how-? you could be those things in horticulture, but it's too late. You need to start planting those seeds much earlier on. All those things are shaped when you're a bunch younger. Yes. You know, what do you want to be when you grow up? Yes. That's, yes. that's that conversation. Yeah. So we do a lot of excursions out on farm. You know, we've already had 3,000 students come out through the facility. We've got a grant with Ag Vic, so that's another 75 schools from Victoria that will go through. So we'll be at five or 6,000. We obviously, you know, we're working with Wintech now with this new project about their their inside farm, which is which is so... 
what really excited me about it was not only it was a different way to produce and it mm. challenged the status quo, but what really it was based on the entrepreneurial fact of what it means to run a business with stock that's all the same and how, you know, we've all got lettuces together. How do I sell my lettuce different to you, Robert? You know, what are we branding it as? How are we competing in the market? And that's what really excited me because it was like this is actually showing young people that there's this business entrepreneur you know, element to it. Like I've always said, you know, us as farmers are the, like the original entrepreneurs. Like my grandfather, he came from Albania to Australia with no money. He then had to find some money and then buy a block of land, put some stuff in the ground, not having a sale for it, not knowing what it would be worth. Like if that's not a startup, he then had to grow it, put all everything in 12 weeks, 16 weeks, take it to market and then see what his return was. Mm. Now, that is, we are startups, we are entrepreneurs, we are business people. That story never gets conveyed to young people either. So there's just so many elements that are so much the truth and the bloodline of what we are as an industry mm. that doesn't get told. It's it's the Akubra. <laughs> yeah, with the piece of straw hanging out there, that is, it very much is. So what do you get out of this in terms of uh, the relationship that you're building up with the, the inside farm and things like that? What are, what are you taking out of this and what are industry taking out of the relationships with this organisation? Well, it, it's definitely about attracting and talking to these young people about these careers and about these industries very early and it's important, you know, we have a really huge gap in... we've. The data shows, ABES data, is that there's one person filling every four jobs in horticulture. So we have three jobs that aren't getting filled right. all the time. And that's, I th really think it's a perception problem because, you know, we're here in Wintech, we're here now talking to young boys and girls and they need to see and they need to hear firsthand about what these careers, particularly at their at their doorstop, can offer them, you know, and and that's the other thing. I feel like we're building capacity in our area together. You know, WinTech are very passionate about that, and so are we about, you know, don't go into the Melbourne CBD to be a to be a finance manager. You could be that in one of our horticulture businesses. You know, you've got Fresh Select, Fragapani Farms, um, Valicia Farms, there's you know, uh, Riverside Produce. Like, you've got four, five, six, seven, eight huge businesses at your doorstep mm. producing vegetables, which, you know, healthiest food on the planet, helping the planet grow it, you know, the, the, the planet be healthy. Um, we're here and we need all these job roles like, look at us first. Come and knock at our doors first. But in fairness, they don't know about any of this stuff. Mm. So it's about opening opening our farm gates and opening our real experiences to them. Yeah. Is there a skill shortage? Have you got a skill shortage in your industry? Oh, every industry's got a skill yeah, shortage yeah, at the moment. Yeah. But horticulture is notoriously, agriculture is notoriously always. And that, again, I think is a huge part of the perception problem. Because in the media where, you know, you see... And I'm not devaluing what's in the media and saying they're not true stories, mm. but they aren't the majority of stories. The majority of stories don't make the news, unfortunately. It's the one underpayment down in a farm in Kuirup um, for migrant workers, which I'm not saying isn't true and isn't disgusting and that we don't 
all want that to be different. But that's not the story of horticulture. That's a story within a hundred stories of be a sales manager on 150k with bonuses, be part of the finance team at a, you know that that work in an office, be part of the farm team and a farm production manager that is you know part of a really healthy and thriving business where you're earning a piece rate that's far beyond any minimum wage in hospitality or in anything else. Like that's that's what we're trying to show is is there's a real story. So that's the piece for industry. That's where veg, edu- veg education plays as as industry. And then there's also our industry would be so much stronger if people ate more vegetables. So one in seven of us as adults and one in 10 of us as children eat enough fruit and vegetables. Is that right? Yes. Is that the stat? That's the stat. Wow. That is, it's horrific. We're supposed to be eating 663 grams of vegetables a day, which is, which it's, you know, we're up near a kilo of veg, right? Yep. So I think it's, the average is around 150. But if we could just get everyone as an industry to need an extra serve, if we could make that two in seven and three in 10 kids, so two in seven adults and three in seven, our industry and, and its ability to be profitable and, and produce and be thriving and be strong, would it, that would be a game changer, right? So if we put it in the, purely in that industry profit basket, yep. then if we talked about all the health and costs that it comes to hospitals and our health system and government, if we put that into another basket... The ripple effect. The ripple effect yeah. and everything else, you know, meant the, the link between... Um, diet and mental health now is becoming so clear. You know, it used to be just like, well, you'd eat more vegetables because you want to be skinny. Well, now it's no, you're going to eat more vegetables because otherwise you're going to be so depressed and you can't function. So there's so much more nuance now around this diet that makes it even more powerful, yet we're still not able to really turn the dial on that. So that's the other reason why we love engaging with young people because Mm. what we try to do is make them excited about careers, but also see vegetables in a different light, you know, fruit and vegetables. See, let them taste it, let them touch it, give them different recipes. You know, we do that through our kind of, we've linked horticulture to food studies through Foods Futures, through veg education. So it's about, you know, people who have thought about hospitality and love cooking actually understanding that horticulture and growing veg is a part of that and how they can eat more veg. We do really heavy veg recipes getting the primary school kids in there you know I've seen groups of walking around the shed and Mark's you know who runs the programs he's got them eating Brussels sprouts raw and you know they're writing letters to us about how much they love he's a genius yeah how much they love broccoli (laughs) and everything else you know we have a smoothie that's got zucchinis and strawberry in it which I know I've seen I see your face right now but I love zucchinis you can't taste the zucchini (laughs) with the strawberry so you put the zucchini with the strawberry and the uh, and the dates and you've got kids there drinking zucchinis so it's all about that and I think what's really different and and really powerful about it it's the grower pushing that forward opposed to a supermarket or opposed to a restaurant or someone further down that the value chain it's about us saying no 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 we're the stars of the show um, and, and hopefully you can see that and then want to join us and eat our products and I think the other thing is they're all tomorrow's consumers yeah and you know you look you there's so much I've read an article this morning from the ABC who said about the vegetable spend compared to alcohol and cigarettes and lollies or something like that. And it was like 30% of us are spending enough, again, back to this 
how much we're supposed to be eating on vegetables. So 70% of us are choosing these other items above that. And, you know, there's no judgment call. I'm definitely not eating my five serves of veggies every day. But but what it does is I think two people don't value vegetables. They don't value what goes into growing them. They don't understand how they get to the door. They, there isn't this story or this nostalgia to it. So what we try to do is kind of open the farm gates up mm. and, and, and show what it takes to grow a mango or how each raspberry you get in a punnet when you walk into a store and it's $4.50 and you go, I don't want to spend $4.50 on a punnet. But if you understand about the process of that and you've seen a person have to twist and pick and pull them off perfectly and if they don't, they crush them and then they have to throw them away and each punnet is hand-stacked and handmade, which is the case in Australia. That's how our raspberries Mm. are. When you walk in there and you see it as $4.50, you actually think, how is it done at $4.50? And I'm only saying that because... That's my story and that's what I've learnt, you know. So it's about showing all of those things. So it's a really powerful mechanism for change, the RTO, and education again, and I really, really believe that. And Wintech do the same. You know, they open up avenues for, for, for young women, for different backgrounds, you know, multicultural backgrounds, for people of different socioeconomic backgrounds to different careers and possibilities that potentially their home doesn't or their school might not either. So it's all about just showing what's possible. So what's been the biggest surprise for you out of this relationship? The biggest surprise is the enthusiasm of both the people in this industry at Wintech, you know, we're working with a great team here. You know, Gail was the leader of that, but she has now left. But, you know, Jeff Rowe and the, the team here are just amazingly passionate about trying to open opportunities for young people. Mm. But the young people themselves, you know, they start off very shy, very kind of nonchalant about everything. But as they go through these programs, as they go through these different, you know, as they see the produce grow in the shipping container, as they work out that they can brand it, as they see, you know, what that means in a broader scale and, and who the, who their little business is comparing to other big businesses down the road, that kind of awakening of young people is, is quite... It's really awe-inspiring to watch. Yeah. Um, any final message about how this relationship works and... I think what's really important is about uh, businesses or, or, yeah, businesses, um, institutions, whoever we are who have like-minded goals joining together to create greater outcomes that we could do alone. And so trying to trying to see where we have more similarities and differences in what we're doing and using those relationships to really foster change in a far more powerful way. Yeah. Young people get a, a, a bad rap in, in the media, and we've talked a lot about the media in this, in this chat. Um, how have you found that? Have you, have, you, yeah. have you sort of got some energy and some passion and, uh, you know, back from, back from them through this? Most definitely. We have, you know, students that come out on site. Um, we get to show them the business. We get to show them the fresh produce. We get to talk to them about the WinTech stuff. We join the dots. We do everything. And as you can see them kind of growing through the experience themselves mentally, you can see their self-confidence and their, and their um, I guess, ability to join the dots themselves really evolve as well. And that's, and that's really fantastic. And you're right, young people do get a bit of a bad rap. And I think it's, as a 
culture, as a society, we should be looking at what we're actually giving them to think about and what we're actually feeding them as their source of inspiration as being more the problem than than them. And if you go back to a farming analogy, it's generally not the plant that's the problem. It's the ground that you're planting it in. It's the food that you're giving it. So, you know, it's very easy to blame the plant. But in this case, I think it's very easy to blame the student for why they're not inspired or why they're not doing X, Y, Z, but really we should be looking at what we're feeding them in, in, you know, how exciting it is, what opportunities, what hope, what enthusiasm we're giving them. So, you know, children are just like plants. That's what I've learned out of this. (laughs) There you go. It's a nice way to finish. Beautiful. Thank you. Wyndham Tech School is a STEM centre of excellence, funded by the Department of Education and hosted by Victoria University. And if you'd like to know more, simply visit the website, wyndhamtechschool.vic.edu.au. Have fun until the next time.